When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome on in, Eagles fans, to episode 62 of the No Huddle Show, our Philadelphia Eagles podcast right here on NJ.com. I'm Joe Giglio, joined, as always, by Mark Eckel, by Elliot Shore Parks. They cover the Eagles for NJ Advance. We've got a lot to get into here. It's kind of the second wave of free agency has come and gone. The Eagles bring in an old friend at a backup quarterback position, and they're bringing a whole bunch of really big names to visit the Novacare Complex on these pre-draft visits. So we'll look ahead to everything going on in the next few weeks. The draft's not far away. Before we start, though, we have to let all of our listeners know, let you guys know who have been with us now for over 60 episodes, that our podcast is going to be changing a little bit, at least the lineup, as Mark, um, who has been with us from the beginning and has been covering the Eagles uh, since the 80s, he is off to retirement soon. So this is going to be Mark's last episode. We're going to reflect at the end, Mark, on your whole career and your favorite times of the podcast, but we just wanted, I want to start with that as... Uh, this is your your swan song here on the podcast. So welcome on in, Mark, and uh, and for one last time, happy to have you today. Well, thanks, and I, let's let's hope I don't mess anything up today on the last one. Well, if you do, we'll <laughs> let you get away. And you know what? It doesn't really matter. You're you're retiring anyway. What are they going to do to you? Good good point. I can say whatever I want. Huh? I can say. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you know what? I don't think they can do anything about him this this time. So uh, we'll have some fun, and and we'll reflect with uh, with Mark at the end, Elliot. To you on this one, and we've been doing this podcast, the three of us, for a while. Now it's going to be me and you, and we'll add a third uh, in a coming episode. Uh, but it's going to be different here. But the one thing we'll always have uh, is the Eagles to talk about and, and what they do. And the latest thing has been the quarterbacks behind Carson Wentz. What, were your, what was your reaction last week when Nick Foles came back? Yeah, I guess we'll always have Nick Foles, right? That'll be something we'll, it seems like we'll always have to talk about. Um, I think the Nick Foles signing makes a lot of sense. I'm, you know, when he was his option wasn't picked up by the Chiefs. I think, you know, the the Chase Daniel contract was a hurdle, but once the Eagles overcame that, it makes a ton of sense. He was, you know, drafted here. He worked with Doug Peterson as a rookie. Um, played pretty well as a rookie, even though they didn't have a great win loss record. Um, I think he completed over sixty percent of his passes. Um, so he played well as a rookie and then obviously he had that big year with chip in 2013 and uh, yeah, 2013, the crazy thing about Nick Foles is, and obviously this isn't a quarterback competition or anything like that with Carson Wentz, but Carson Wentz would have to throw 30 touchdowns before he threw his next four interceptions to match Nick Foles, 46 touchdowns to 15 interceptions he has here. So, I mean, you know, obviously Nick Foles was not good when, when he got to St. Louis, he played only a little bit in Kansas city. Um, I didn't see the game he played, but, you know, by all accounts, it seemed like he played pretty well. They won the game. Um, so, you know, but let's not forget, he played at an extremely high level here for almost the entire time he was here. Um, Chase Daniel brings a lot to the Eagles last – he brought a lot to the Eagles last year in terms of helping Carson Wentz. I would have – you know, I think you definitely could have made an argument for keeping him going forward just to keep the same support system around Carson. But, you know, if the Eagles have to play a game next year without Carson Wentz, I think it's you know you're safe to say you're you're more confident with Nick Foles going into that game than you are Chase Daniel. Mark, what did you think of him? I mean, the Chase Daniel thing last year was a big contract. We talked about it at the time it was a gigantic contract for a player of Chase Daniel's caliber as a backup quarterback. It seemed more of like a coach type of thing to help the new offense get installed. And now after one year, he's gone. He gets his release. 
they bring back Foles. Did you see this coming, or, or did you were you surprised when the Foles' oh, name I, came out? I was well, I was surprised. Not well. Let's. Let, it, it happened backwards. So if it ha- if they would have released Daniel first, Foles made a lot of sense to be the guy to come back in. I mean, when there was rumors of them looking to trade Case Daniel, when and I think Elliot wrote the story that there was you know that some teams had interest. I think from the combine or wherever you had heard something. Um, yeah, Foles was an obvious target, uh, you know, to be to, to to come in and and be Carson's backup. But they did it the other way around. They they signed they signed Foles first, then they released Daniel. You know, all this is Chase Daniel is just he's Doug Peterson. He's going to be he, he, what, what, what year is it? Twenty seventeen. In twenty thirty one, Chase Daniel will be the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. When I when I'm retiring after yeah, my, after, <laughs> after Chase is will cover his last couple of years and then and yeah. then exactly because let's he's he's exactly Doug Peterson career backup. Although he never started, Peterson actually came in and started for the Eagles. Um, but he, you know, he career backup comes in with the new coach, who's who's his boy, plays for plays for the Eagles for a year while they have a rookie star, and then the next year he's gone, and then, and then he comes back along, and yeah. So yeah, Peterson. Here's, here's what's going to happen: Case Daniel will be Doug Peterson's quarterback coach at one at sooner in about five another five years or so, then. Peterson will go on to be a head coach somewhere else, bring Daniel to be his offensive coordinator, and then, you know, Daniel will come back and take over as Eagles head coach one day. And the Eagles still won, won, won a playoff game. But the, the, <laughs> the, the, the crazy thing, too, is – so, all right, you know, we'll talk about Nick Foles, but just in terms of you, you look back at Chase, the Chase Daniel signing by Howie Roseman, they ended up giving him – I think it's a – Chase will have ended up cashing about $11 million in, in money from the Eagles for the one year. Um you know, and, we talk a lot about Howie being good at the cap. And again, I, I'm, I, look, got, I, it was 11, but it was a lot for at the time back in 1999. I think he got like three and a half million, which was crazy money in 1999. He for, started. I mean, he came in and started. So, yeah. I mean, Chase Chase only threw one pass all year and it was a shuffle pass. <laughs> but he completed it. Let's not forget that, yeah. right, guys? He well, this is, the but, the, but the thing is, I mean, so, you know, you talk about the signing. Was it a good or bad signing? Because, I mean, I think. Certainly, financially, they gave him a lot of money for not a lot of play. But I mean, he did help Carson Wentz, and you know, he was there for Carson throughout his whole rookie year, which is obviously a, a huge deal. Um, I think you know Carson has spoke at length about how much Chase helped him. So you yeah. know, if, Nick's if, not going to help him like that. No, well, I, I mean, no, I don't think he will. I mean, Nick, Nick's a good guy. Nick's not going to be like you know, fighting, you know, like trying oh, to back them for I the job, really but he's just not Chase in the way that. Right. Uh, no, Nick's a good guy. He's not going to be a, a problem by any means, but he, I don't think it's a Nick's make. Chase, I, and I'm, I'm serious about Chase Daniel becoming a coach. I'm, I mean, I kid, he might be evil, but I could see Chase Daniel being a coach in the NFL someday. Can't, can't you, Elliot? Yeah, well, and then. You, you know, know better definitely, than definitely. And then. I don't the, see Nick Foles ever being a head coach in the NFL. When, when Chase was released, you know, he said it was because he thought he had job, he had offers out there for starting jobs. Basically, was what he said. Like he, there were teams out there that thought he could be a starter. Well, his first visit was to the Saints. Who <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think it's safe to say he's not going to be starting for uh, the Saints next year. And now he's visiting the Jets. So it'll be interesting to see where he where he ends up. Um, you know, financially for the Eagles, releasing him. I mean, on the books right now, right now, until he signs a deal, I believe they have $7 million in dead money on the books from him. That's what over the cap has them at. So once he signs a deal, that number will go down. But the Eagles took dead money to replace Chase with uh, with Nick. I mean, this was, again, another – I mean, look, think all the money 
how he will have spent on this backup quarterback spot. $11 million to Chase last year. He gave Nick Foles $7 million guaranteed. Um, part, he still got dead money on the book. What? Is it Bradford still on the books for some dead money? Bradford's still on the books for $5.5 million. If you look at the Eagles' dead cap right now, they have $7 million to Chase Daniel, $5.5 million to Sam Bradford, and then they're paying Nick Foles this year, has a cap hit of 1.6. So they currently have about $14 Is, San- million is Sanchez off the books finally? Sanchez is off the books. They have about $14 million in quarterbacks on the book that aren't Car- that is not Carson Wentz. And that's what you can do when you have a quarterback that you know is only making Carson's $6 million this year, which for a quarterback is obviously you know not a lot of money at all. It's nothing for a quarterback, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, most quarterbacks now are making, you know, even the lower end guys are making 17, 18 million. You know, that's, that's at worst middle of the pack, if not lower. So, yeah, they have that flexibility there, but it is weird. I mean, just the way they've gone about this, isn't it? I mean, the whole quarterback carousel well, last couple of years, I mean, I understood it last year more when it was like, all right, they're going to throw stuff at the wall. They're going to make sure they find the franchise quarterback of the future and setting up the new offense. This one felt strange, though, to me when I saw it. Like, and, and Mark, I agree with it. It's backwards. Like, yeah, it's one thing if they found a trade partner for Daniel. Then, like you said, I mean, obviously Foles makes so much sense to come back. I want to throw this um, this question. Let at me you guys. add one thing. Go Re- ahead, Mark. Go ahead. We change up. I think what happened here, and I'm not. This is just educated speculation. Call it. Doug Peterson wanted Chase Daniel, right? I mean, that's he's the guy that. Howie wasn't a case. I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to let Howie off the hook here, but Doug's the one talking that, about last year. Oh, yeah, last year. Doug's the one that when when Doug got the job, one of the first things they did was look for a and, and Doug had to be the one saying, "Listen, I know this guy. I worked with him in Kansas City. He can come." I mean, Doug was was talking him up as he's my guy. If if Sam were to get, oh, we got Chase Daniel. We're and and then practice came and camp came and preseason. And they saw him, and Howie went, are you kidding me? This guy's not any good. And I think that's the last personnel decision Doug's ever going to make. Yeah, although I bet I bet Doug was okay with bringing in Nick. Like I said, he coached him as a rookie. Now, yeah, right, but I'm saying – my point was Howie didn't want to taste Daniel. Doug Peterson wanted to taste Daniel. Howie didn't mind getting rid of him because it wasn't his guy. Also, if you want to talk about coaches making personnel decisions instead of Howie – and again, Howie – you know, he gets the ultimate blame for all this because he's, sure. contr- he's you know, he's president of football operations. This is all his final say. Leotis McKelvin was probably a Jim Schwartz guy. Chase Daniel, a Doug Peterson guy. So, you know, I don't know if listening to coaches from here on out is probably the best uh, best move for Howie. No, when you, and, when you, and when, you're a t- when you have the talent evaluating skills that Howie has, I don't know why you wouldn't. <laughs> Do it all yourself. Let me throw this at you with the Foles thing, and then we'll move on to what else has gone on here with the Eagles the last couple days, especially with all the visits and all the big names coming into the overcare complex. The first thought I had, and, and more, and I'll, I'll say this before we get your, your thoughts on this, it was more in a joking manner, but there's some truth to maybe the joke as well. Like when Chase Daniel was here, and he was going to be the Eagles' backup quarterback. I feel confident that no matter how poorly, and look, Carson Wentz had some poor games last year, probably have some more over the next couple of years. He's still a young quarterback. No matter what happens with Carson, whether it's week three, four, five, seven next year, he's going to have a bad game here or there. We know that. But no matter what happened with him, I never could imagine the fan base saying, take him out, put, you know, put Chase Daniel in. I mean, Nick Foles and Elliot, you started off with saying what he did here in his best year. Like, Nick Foles has had success in an Eagles uniform. Do you think there's any worry 
that if Carson has a little bit of struggle, I'm not talking about real struggle where you wonder if he's the quarterback, but just a little bit of struggle that fans will, will want the backup, which happens a lot in every city, but I didn't think could happen here with Chase Daniel. I thought it was safe with Chase as the backup from that perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do think that let's say Carson comes out and he has seven really bad games in a row, and it's clear that he is just not seeing the field well, and it's just really bad. I think the Eagles would be more comfortable putting Nick Foles out on the field than they would Chase Daniel. Because if you want to, if you're going to pull Wentz, if you pull Wentz, the season's basically over anyway. But I mean, let's say the Eagles are, you know, three and four. And I'm not saying Nick Foles is ever going to take the job from Carson Wentz. I'm saying if there's a situation where the Eagles don't want to put Carson Wentz out there because he's just playing really bad, and I don't think that's going to happen, I do think they're more comfortable putting Nick Foles in there than they are Chase Daniel. That being said, I don't think the fans will realistically. I mean, I can't say all fans because, you know, there's a mil- million Eagles fans out there. But I think the majority of fans, there's not going to be real calls for, Car- for Nick Foles to take the job from Carson Wentz. Maybe for a game, but there's not going to be anybody saying, put Nick Foles in there and bench Carson Wentz. In my opinion, I, I don't see that happening. Mark, how about you? You've been around a lot of quarterback situations. Listen, if- <laughs> I'm laughing because, no, I think <sighs> there are some really dumb people out there but no nobody's that dumb right i hope I mean, not the po- i don't care how bad if wentz is playing poorly it's probably because his line playing poorly or the receivers are playing poorly or peterson's calling this awful game no you, no, no. Hey, elliot listen i'll make a deal with you when the, when somebody starts to chant for foals call me i will fly back and just watch. That would be better than anything I could. But do you agree that the Eagles feel more comfortable putting Nick Foles out there than Carson, than, uh, not Carson, than Chase Daniel? Oh, I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. I'm going to write this for Tuesday. If, if you're telling me Wentz is out, you've got a concussion, whatever, he's out for one game. It's a one game thing. He, whatever. He has, he's missing this game. And the Eagles have to win it to stay in the playoff race. And I could have Foles or. Daniel, and I'd rather have Foles. I've seen Nick Foles win games. I've seen him do it. I mean, I've never seen Chase Daniel win a game because he's never had to do it. Right, so, right. yeah, I'd much rather have Foles to win a game. With that said, I still don't know if this is a good – I guess it's good just because of that. But I think – and I, like I said earlier, I think Chase Daniel is a much better mentor slash tutor slash whatever you want to call him to Carson Wentz than Nick Foles will be. Yeah, and this this is kind of my same reasoning for wanting to keep Jason Kelsey around. I mean, you know, obviously Carson's going to have the same head coach, same quarterback coach, same offensive coordinator. But within guys on the team, the two biggest support systems for him, in my opinion, were Chase Daniel and Jason Kelsey. Well, Daniel's gone, and, you know, there's been a lot of reports and speculation that Kelsey might be gone. And I don't think that that means, you know, Carson Wentz is going to, you know, plummet in his second year. But I do think there's something to be said for early on in your career – having the same type of support system around you so you can, you know, so Carson can just have that around. So I I do think in that way, yes, not having Chase might, might hurt Carson in that way. I think Nick will still be helpful, but he's not going to be Chase Daniel in terms of, you know, a coach on the sideline. A lot of people were saying that about us. So you're going to function without me around, but you'll be exactly. Exactly. You know what? We we will put that call in, Mark. If if those calls for Nick Foles start, we'll find you uh, wherever you are. First flight back. First flight back. Mark will be back, and, and we'll do an emergency podcast. All right, so Nick Foles is in tow. He's the Eagles' backup quarterback to Carson Wentz. Obviously, 
everything the Eagles have done so far this offseason has been catered towards the offense, whether depth guys like Foles or Chance Wormack or possible starting wide receivers like a Torrey Smith and definitely, definitely a starting wide receiver with an Alshon Jeffrey. And now the draft is not that far away, right? A little over a month away from the NFL draft in Philadelphia, and the Eagles are the 14th pick in the draft. And I think, Elliot, when they went out and they made those moves the first day of free agency, I think kind of the collective thought of the fan base was, okay, they're going to go corner in the first round. They're going to go corner defensive players early in the draft. And yet, you guys have been you know, tracking all the visits the Eagles have made and reporting on them. And while there's been a couple defensive players, uh, Reuben Foster, Marlon Humphrey, the kids uh, from Alabama coming in, for the most part, as I look at this list, it's offensive players and big names. Dalvin Cook, Mike Williams, Leonard Fournette, Corey Davis, John Ross, like first-round offensive players at wide receiver or running back. Elliot, what do you make of the visits? Should we make a lot? Does it mean they're going offensive player, or is this just kind of the process? Well, with draft stuff, a lot of times it's kind of reading the tea leaves and, you know, making your own kind of speculation up. And we know who's coming in, but Howie's not going to tell anybody his exact plan for the draft. So to me, the fact that they're bringing in Mike Williams and, you know, all the they brought in Mike Williams, Corey Davis and John Ross, the top three receivers in the draft. Well, they also signed Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith. So you go, well, why why are they doing that? To me, it's very similar to last year with their quarterbacks where they re-signed Sam Bradford. I think they gave him $22 million in guaranteed money. They then signed Chase Daniel, gave him about 11 or $12 million in guaranteed money. And so when they were bringing in all these quarterbacks, they brought in Wentz, they brought in Jared Goff, they brought in Paxton Lynch. Everyone was saying, it's a smokescreen, it's a smokescreen. They're, they're just doing this you know, to throw the teams off. Well, they ended up trading up for a quarterback and taking Carson Wentz. So I don't think taking Alshon Jeffrey – and uh, I, I don't think signing Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith will prevent them from taking a receiver with the first pick because if you, you know we talked about this when they signed him. If the if the purpose of the Eagles offseason was to find long term solutions for Carson Wentz to play with on offense, Torrey Smith and Alshon Jeffrey are not concrete yeses to, to either of that. They're both. I mean. Alshon's literally here on a one-year deal. Torrey Smith is essentially here on three one-year deals. There's no guarantee he'll be here in 2018. And I think the Eagles, if they if they bring Mike Williams in and they think, all right, this is the next Julio Jones, I think they not only would they take him, I think they might trade up for him. So I think, you know, clearly they have bigger needs on defense, but I don't think them taking a receiver or a running back with their first round pick, whether it be a 14 or moving up, moving back, I don't think that should be counted out at, at all. Mark, what do you read into this? I mean, it's basically the, the biggest offensive names are coming into Novacare for these you know, pre-draft meetings the Eagles have spent on offense, but it uh, doesn't mean they have to stop now. Do you think this is a smokescreen or do you think this could be real here? And I know you had a story the other day about a possible trade-up. Well, I, I, that was speculation on my part because Leonard, of the guys they brought in, I mean, a lot of it is due, due diligence. You don't know how to – I mean, even if you think you know how the draft's going to go, you really don't know because so, every year a guy falls. Every year there's somebody that slips. Somebody goes way before you think. You say, wow, how about that? And then somebody starts to fall. Last year, Jeremy Tunsil fell, right? They, they, they pick your – you know, Mike Williams is, is – if there's a, a picture of Mike Williams with a with a bong and a gas <laughs> mask on, guess what? He's going to fall a little bit. I mean, I'm not indicting Mike Williams. I'm, I'm just saying you, you never know. If I told you Jeremy Tunsil was going to go in whatever wherever he went last year, a month before the draft, you would have laughed at me. You would have said, "No way, he's a top three pick." So you just don't know. So from that from that aspect, they're doing their due due diligence, which is that's that's good, I guess, right? I mean, um, but I'll also say just for I'll also yeah. say they only get thirty workouts. 
So yeah. it's not like it's not like they can just bring in as many guys as they want. So using one of their 30 workouts on Leonard Fournette is yeah. kind of a big yeah. deal. I mean, that shows yeah. there is serious interest in him. Howie was on the radio earlier this week. I think it was on 94 VIP, and he offhandedly called them a top 30 visit, which you know means basically in theory the guys they're bringing in are the top 30 players on their board. You know, so it's interesting that they would use that on Fournette when you know short of him. You know, something coming out at the last second, he's probably not even going to make it past number five. This is the one that I raised my eyebrows on because, I, like I said, unless there's, you know, something really incriminating about him that comes out, he's not going to be there for it. I mean, I have. Would they some, trade up for him? They did. Bef- they have before, right? That's what I wrote about. I mean, yeah. I mean, they would have to. There's no way he's going to be there. So if they have interest in him, you would have to move up. But let me just say, go back to the 30 visit thing. The Eagles apparently do it that way, where they just bring in 30 good players. I mean, you know, 30 top players. A lot of teams bring in, they don't even bring in the, the first round type guys. They bring in guys they're thinking about in the third, fourth, fifth rounds to get a feel, a better feel for them. You know, I mean, um, knowing that you're not going to get, like, they, if the Eagles bring in the top 30 players, but they're only getting one of those 30. Well, I was going to say, I mean, if you look at who they've brought in, Corey Davis, Fournette, Mike Williams, Dalvin Cook, Reuben Foster, Ryan Anderson, Marlon Humphrey, and John Ross. They're, they're only, they're, only going to get one of those guys. So in theory, yeah, I mean, they're not wasting time. But I mean, the, but the first-round pick is the most important. So you have to make sure you have the most information. But the other picks are important, too. <laughs> no, they are. But I'm saying the first-round pick is the most important. Yeah, but you know, you should know those. I don't know. They, I mean, they, everybody has their own way of doing things. I, I, I just think that. I wouldn't bring a guy in unless I had serious interest and thought I could get him. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. But I'm saying, I just, I don't think they're going to trade up, and I don't think they're going to take a running back. In my opinion, I, I would be surprised if they did that. I mean, if Leonard Fournette falls to like 11, which I don't think is going to happen, let's just say he does. And I mean, does Fournette even fit what they want? I mean, like you, you know a little bit more about the draft prospects than me, Mark. I mean, is he like he? He's not great out of the backfield. Not terrible. Right, but I'm saying he's not Dalvin Cook out of the backfield. Oh, he's so much better than Dalvin Cook. It's not funny. It's not as a close. runner. I'm saying as but, a as a player, he's just it's not even close. People that people that want to argue Cook and Fournette are just silly. It's not even close. Talk to the guys that make the pick. Cook's going to go bottom. Christian McCaffrey better is going to go ahead of Dalvin Cook. That'd be surprising. No, way. no way. <laughs> Well, no, it'll oh. Is that because the play? Is that because the player, Mark, or is that because the 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 red flags? I mean, Cooks had what three shoulder surgeries since high school, and he also has had some off the field issues as well. And he's a, and a lot of a lot of teams, a lot of people that I've talked to, they think he's a good player, but he's not a he's not a guy you would take. He's not a guy that you that, that you could build your offense around. He's a good player. He's a guy that yeah, if you get him low in the first, yeah, that's good. You got to and, and you need a running back. Yeah, he's he's fine. He can do some things for you, but he's. Yeah, their durability is a, a question. Character is a question. Fournette, I had one guy. I don't believe this, but one, this guy knows a lot more than I do. Says Fournette will be as good as Elliot. I don't mean you, Elliot. I mean <laughs> Elliot. Nobody's as good as you. There you go. I mean, I don't know. No. I don't think he's as good as, as I think Ezekiel Elliott. Tremendous, but this and this guy who knows. I mean, he's you know his track record speaks for itself. He says, I'm telling you, this guy's – he thinks he's the best player in the draft. Not the best back, not the best – the best player in the draft. How about the overall philosophy? This is what I see when, when I see these visits. And, and look, I could be wrong and they'll go defensive player and then this doesn't – you know, it's not as concrete as it feels to me right now. But it just feels like this entire offseason – I think we touched on this in the last episode – 
is about getting Carson Wentz help, right? And, and defense and, and fixing that side of the ball, they'll get to that when they have some time. But, like, they have a million offensive linemen. They kept Peters even though they, you know, kind of wanted him to take a pay cut, and he said no, and they were okay with that. Uh, they Right now, Kelsey's on this football team. They have backup of – back, I mean, they try and sign Chance Warmack within the first 10 minutes of free agency. He's, what, a third stringer right now? Uh, they signed the two receivers. They're bringing all these guys for visits. Do you like the strategy, Elliot, that it seems like? And let's just pretend for a second they go with an offensive player at 14, whether running back or receiver. Do you like the strategy of get Carson Wentz as much help as possible and then we'll figure out the defense later? I do. I do. I mean, obviously, when the Eagles are ready to compete seriously, and I think they could potentially you know, compete for a playoff spot next year, but when they're, when they're actually a football team that you look at and say they could win a Super Bowl, they're going to have to address these cornerback positions. That being said... I think you have to take the best available player at, in the first second round. If that's a receiver, then you got to do it because in the long run, I'm not super high on Alshon Jeffrey in general. But the fact that he's only here for one year, you don't, you have not addressed the long term need, which is a player. The, the 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 thing that sticks sticks out for me when I when I covered when I was at the Super Bowl earlier this off season is um, the Falcons GM was talking about how a huge moment with kind of their growth was when they, they got uh, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones. And it's easy to say, well, yeah, Julio Jones is a great player. But the philosophy of it was they said, we're going to go and get someone that we know Matt Ryan can grow with for years. And that's exactly what happened. And, you know, they is were. That, is that what happened? Because how long was Jones there before they got to the Super Bowl? I mean, well, four, I think three or four years, maybe. Well, Matt, Jones has been in the league more than four years, hasn't he? Well, regardless, I think, I mean, they, they, they the, have. They got Vic Beasley and those linebackers. Yeah, but, but you had to get you had to get Matt Ryan somebody to play with. I think the philosophy of doing that. I mean, all right. So they 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 were. I mean, about as close you can get to winning the Super Bowl without winning it. Would you not say Matt Ryan and Julio Jones were probably two of the biggest reasons? Sure, but that's that point. Without that defense, though. No, I know. I and that's what I'm saying. Yes, there, there's obviously a ton that has to happen well, yeah, outside no, of that. That was his his sixth year. So for six years, they didn't. They, were, they, they I mean, they've been good for six years. Yeah. What's that? I mean, they've been pretty good for six years. They, lose, they had losing records probably three of those six. Probably. I mean, they drafted Jones in 11, right? So Matt Ryan came in 08. They drafted Jones in 11. They had the one big year with Jones and Ryan. They got to the title game loss. And then you're right, Mark. They went, they fell Julio, down for a few years. Would you not agree that Julio is a huge hu- – Yeah, Julio, Julio and Matt Ryan. I'm not okay. thinking Julio. I'm saying you don't win anything without a good – This Eagles defense right now is total crap. I, total. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. The linebackers aren't any good. They're as thin as, as – Toilet paper on the defense, and that's a good choice of words on the defensive line. I I, mean, I agree with you on that, but we're talking if if you're at fourteen or if you're if you're sitting there at fourteen, the best player. You take okay, you take the best player. That's what I'm saying. So if no, Mike Williams, well, I take the best player every. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I'm with you. But they should have addressed. I'm more. I'm more concerned, if you want to use that word, about the fact that they ignored the defense and free agency. Instead of wasting five million on Tory Smith, who's just a guy, and Chance Warmack, who like as Joe says, he's third, he's third string guard now, whatever he get, why not spend some of that money on on Morris Claiborne or or some corner, anybody? I think I think more. if you if you look, it, they're they're paint in the way they're painting themselves in the corner it, it, in terms of the draft pick because they ha- I mean, if you were looking at this, you would say their paint their plan is clearly to address the secondary in the draft, right? I mean. Right. They, well, they, I mean, they literally don't. They, they, they literally haven't added any cornerbacks, and they've lost two. And their secondary was already terrible last year. I do think they're probably pretty high on Jalen Mills, though. I'll say that. Good for him. I know. I'm just saying. I think that's probably their thought process. Well, that's one, and he. That's... <laughs> and you need three, and they they don't have right. So, 
the secondary is going to be going to be young. But if all right, so if Mike Williams is on the board at fourteen, and well, also you know, let's say Marlon Humphrey's already gone, uh, Lattimore's already gone. I mean, I think I think you have to just take the best Ruben player. Ruben Foster on the board. Yeah, let's say Reuben Foster and Mike Williams are on the board. Well, let's go with this before you guys answer, because I, I think that every I think I feel like fans have, have kind of all moved to this. Like best player available is the smart strategy. Every team should do this. But let's go with this. Let's pretend, and I don't know how Joe Douglas does his grades, but let's just say they're both um, out of a hundred. He he gives potential ratings to Mike Williams. All the guys you're saying, whatever names you're going to throw out there, they're all the same grade. Let's just pretend that offense or defense, Mark. Def- I say defense. Okay. If they're the same. I mean, well, I, I, I look at this defense and I, I say, my God, they like they were average at best last year. You lost two starting defensive linemen, two starting cornerbacks, probably your one of your linebackers. And if he isn't, if he, if he, and I'm talking about Michael Kendricks. And if he isn't back, I mean, if he isn't gone, he played 11 plays a game last year. He, he, so you're telling me he's not any good. This team needs so much help on defense. Uh, if they're if they're even if if Joe Douglas and Howie Roseman have to have an equal grade on a corner and Mike Williams, you got to take the corner or Reuben Foster. You got I now agree. now if Williams is great as much. If you have a ninety again, I don't, I don't know what their grading system are, but if they have a ninety two on Mike Williams and the next bet and all the defensive players are in the eighties, well then you got to take Mike Williams. Elliot, what do you think? I mean, everything they've done this offseason points to offense. You think that will change if they're you know no, kind of the I, same I think, rating? I think. Howie's made it clear, and I think this is one thing you can believe Howie on, that he is making surrounding Carson Wentz with talent a priority. And I think, you know, Howie knows his job is tied to Carson Wentz's success. So he has to make sure Carson has all the tools that he needs to succeed. So I do think if they're, you know, in the first two rounds, they're going to take the best player, even if it's an offensive guy. And I, and I like you were saying, Joe, if the, if the ratings are similar, I think you would lean defense because of the need, but. I, I wouldn't put it past Howie to to just sta- stockpile this offense knowing his defense is already probably going to be pretty bad. So is it more important to make Carson Wentz look good or to win games? Well, Carson Wentz looking good is going to help you win games. No, not if you lose every game 42-35. But Carson, it's true. I mean, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate. That'd be like right? if, if you lost every game. 1613. I mean, you can you can go back back and forth, but I'm saying okay. there's also an argument to be made that the defense is so far away from being good that maybe your best bet to win next year is just to make the offense great and hope you win shootouts. It's a hell of a way to try to do things. Well, what, well, does, it, just, yeah. what does it also say about Jim Schwartz? Like, do they do, are they saying that they have faith that Jim Schwartz can make something out of what they give him, and they're going to try to maybe there's maybe they're telling us the offense really is as awful personnel, and they had to fix it. Well, the defense's personnel is worse than the offense's personnel right now. Right now. Yes. Defense is worse than offense, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not even close. Right. I mean, we're looking at a team that could be an offensive team a year from now compared to what they were last year? I think I think so. I mean, and that's why I think there's an argument to be made for taking, and I know you're not high on a mark, but taking Dalvin Cook at 14 or something like that. Just because the offense is, you know, you have a better, as a way currently set up you have a better chance of winning shootouts than you're going to be because the defense if let's say they they take marlon humphrey at 14 and he turns out to be a very good player his first year is going to be pretty tough for him to have an instant impact i mean this secondary no matter what they do in the draft is going to be really bad next year i think or, or at least the cornerbacks i mean it's going to be really tough for them because it's going to be rookie players outside of jalen mills who i like but did, didn't have a great year last year um so this, 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 the cornerbacks were really bad last year, but there's a chance it could be worse next year. And that's really saying something in terms of 
I mean, I, that's hard to believe. That's why, again, I, I agree with everything, everything you're saying. That's why it's too late now. The, 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 the bridge is blown up. I mean, they should have. I still can't believe they didn't sign anyone on defense during free agency. That they signed how many offensive guys? Counting full. Full. Four. All four of their signings. All four new guys. Plus, they re-signed Wisniewski. To a three-year deal. Whatever reason that was. I don't. God knows why they brought him back. Um, and they didn't bring anybody back on defense. I mean, you could rip Nolan Carroll all, all you want, but guess what? He's better than what they got. He's definitely better than what they have right now. Well, yeah, him or Jalen Mills, but yeah. But, well, he, all right. He's better than what they got. He would, if he came back right now, he'd, he'd be starting for them. Agreed. Right? Yeah. He's better than C.J. Smith and whoever else, Dwayne Gratz. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they have nobody right now at that position. And look, we're all looking at it, and it looks like a big empty hole at corner. And if, if they go through the whole first round, that whole first night of the draft, and they don't take a corner and it's an offensive player, it's just going to be even more glaring as we get into the second round. I don't know what they're going to do. All I know is every time uh, you guys have a report about who they're bringing into the NovaCare complex, my guess, and so far I've been right on most of these, is offensive players. So you know, we'll see where it goes. We have a lot of time we're going to start ramping up more and more towards the NFL draft. Now, before we wrap up this episode, as we talked a little draft, talked a little bit about Nick Foles, we have to have a little farewell segment here for Mark. As Mark, we started the podcast with us. This is your last episode with us. Is you're off to retirement here. So uh, if you want, you can have the floor and then just talk about whatever you want. But you've been covering the Eagles for a long time, so you obviously probably have um, many memories, good and bad, and somewhere in the middle. Yeah, mostly good, to be honest with you. Um, it's been fun. I mean – I, like I, I, I've been talking to a lot of my friends, whatever about you know retiring, and they say, oh, you know, um, I don't, I don't want to say this too, I don't make this too strong, but I, I always say that um, for most of my, I've been fortunate, very fortunate in that for most of my life, and even prior to covering the Eagles, I covered you know local stuff, college, college sports, but high school, college, whatever. Um, I never thought of my job as a job. Like I didn't, I never like. I, I know I know too many people who dread go. Oh, I got to go to work tomorrow. I got to go in my office. I got to do that. And I never had that. I mean, I I used to look forward to going to games, going to practice, going wherever. I mean, it was fun. I it was I was fortunate. Like I said, last couple of years, and it, it's just been different. I mean, I got I, I'm getting older, obviously, and maybe that's a, a big part of it. It became more of a job. It became more of like oh, I got to drive down ninety that ninety five is going to be a miserable ride, and and that like stuff like that never bothered me. It started to bother me, and that's when. I think that's when it's time to get out. When 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 what you love to do, all of a sudden you don't love it as much. So the timing was all perfect um, in terms of where I am in my life, and um, I'm, I'm old, but I'm not like you know I'm not 100 years old yet. So I can st- I'm not I can retire and still enjoy myself, and I plan on doing a lot of enjoying uh, where I'm moving to and stuff. So um, yeah, it's been fun. It's been great. Um, is there one this, is there one game you remember covering more than another? Fogball, yeah, the fogball. I'll never forget that because it was the craziest. And because I'll never, I mean, I've covered a lot of great games, you know. So like, you could argue what was the greatest game. The greatest game I ever covered, I think, was probably the Eagle. When the Eagles beat the Redskins, I believe it was '89. It was a crazy day. Randall Cunningham um, signed a new contract that morning in his hotel room in Washington. They they get a deal done to extend him for whatever many years, and then he goes out that day and throws five touchdown passes. They beat the Redskins like 45-42, I think it was. Um, there's a crazy game where the Eagles jumped out early, then they fell behind by like 20 and then the Redskins had the ball. The game was over. Gerald Riggs fumbles Al Harris, the linebacker, Al Harris, not the cornerback Al Harris re- recovers the fumble. He's bringing it back. 
He laddles it to Wes Hopkins, who takes it like down to like the five, and then Randall Cunningham hits Keith Jackson for a for a five yard touchdown to, to win. Because that was a probably the most fun game I ever covered. But the Fog Bowl was just it was just crazy. Like we couldn't. There'll never be anything like it again. I don't think. I mean, you couldn't see the game. The players couldn't see. That you couldn't see across the field. It was Didn't just, Randall it, throw a lot in that game? So I was I was always amazed when I look back, Mark, at the box score of that game. That if, if I'm if I'm remembering right, didn't Randall Cunningham throw the football in that game maybe forty or fifty times despite the fog? And threw for over four hundred yards. Well, they fell, but what happened was they fell behind in that. That's that was the problem. They they blew so many chances early in that game. They kept kicking field goals and getting instead of scoring. T- final score was twenty to twelve, and Eagles kicked four field goals. Um. You know, if they turn those field goals, if they turn two of those field goals into touchdowns, it's twenty twenty. Um, and they and and they missed on a fourth and one. Randall tried a quarterback sneak on fourth and one, and I to this day I still think he he got it. I think he got a bad spot. Um, but then if once the fog came in, you, you knew the team that was winning was gonna was probably gonna hold 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 on and win, and they did. And the Eagles were a passing team back then. I mean, they they had Randall. They the running backs were average at best. The Bears were a running team back then, so it all. But just the whole gut of being there for that game, and and you know, I I've talked to Merle Reese about it, who was who was who was you know broadcasting the game. I said, "How did you broadcast?" He said, "We watched TV, and we were like a second behind, but we just I saw what I saw, you know." And even TV couldn't. It was weird. It was the craziest thing. It was that. So now I'll never. And just seeing the fog come in, it like we thought it was a beautiful day. Let's say that it's New Year's Eve in Chicago, New Year's Eve day. We're out the night before, go to dinner, whatever, and it was unseasonably warm. Like we all brought, it was, you know, you're going to Ch- Chicago in, in December, you're packing heavy winter gear, right? I mean, it's going to be cold. And we're walking around town and we're like, man, it's a lot nicer than, than we thought. It's pretty nice out. Yeah, I, I didn't need to bring hats and scarves and gloves, and all, you know. So, you know, so we're, we're happy about it. Then we go to the game. Then it's a noon game, noon their, their time. And it's still kind of nice out. And right before the half, you saw, we thought something was on fire. We thought a building was on fire behind Soldier Field because you saw this, this white cloud just coming up and you, you thought it was smoke. And then all of a sudden it just covered the field. It just, it, it, it was like, I would say it was like the, in, in Soldier Field, the, the press box glass is closed. So, and it was like they just painted the glass white. You couldn't see, you couldn't see anything. It was the craziest thing I've ever, I would say it was the greatest game I never saw. <laughs> But I can say that one thing I'm really, and I think I, I want to say I'm the only person to do this. There might be one other guy, but I'm not, I don't think he was around at the end of Donovan. I covered Randall Cunningham's entire career with the Eagles and Donovan McNabb's entire career with the Eagles. I think that's pretty, that. If, and if Chase you Daniel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you saw every pass Chase Daniel made in the Eagles uniform. <laughs> All of the, the that, that, single pass. <laughs> but no, I mean Randall and Donovan are two pretty big icons in this in the city and in, and and for this franchise and the and they've, they've, they've covered their both of their entire careers is something I think I don't know it just means I was around a long time I guess. Best team you covered was it the 04 team or was it one of the teams that didn't get far as maybe they could have in their early nineties? Yeah, to be honest, I think the the team that lost to Tampa Bay was O two I guess right. The O two team, right? They and they were the Raiders were waiting in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think I mean O four was good because they had T.O., but then he got hurt. So O two to me, when people say what was the most dislike, that loss to Tampa, I think was the worst Eagles loss ever because everything went their everything was going their way. 
they were on a roll. They, you know, they were back. And they're playing Tampa, the team they always beat. They beat Tampa in the playoffs the last two years. That's who they want to play. You know, there was that stigma on the on Tampa at the time. That, you know, when the temperature is less than this, Tampa can't win. And the temperature was less than whatever that number was at the time. So everything. And then they, they get off to the good start. Brian Mitchell brings the kickoff back to the 20. Deuce Staley scores, touchdown seven. Oh, man, I, I never forget turning to Reuben Frank, who was sitting next to me in the, in the press box. And I turned and went, same old Tampa. This, this is going to be a blowout. He went, yep. You, that's, 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 I'm gonna be. And next thing you know, Joe Jarabicious is running one way and Rondé Barber's running another way. And we were going home. We weren't going to the Super Bowl that 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 year. But um, yeah, I think that I think the O two team. And then again, that Fog Bowl team was pretty darn good too. And I, to this day, I mean, forever, I'll wonder if that Fog didn't come in. I think they would have beat the Bears. Then they would have played a very good Forty Nine er team. But who knows? They, you know, that was a good team. Um, yeah, you know, you had yeah that defense with Reggie and Jerome and Seth and Clyde and Eric Allen and those guys. Um, that was. That was that was good. That was you know they went to the playoffs three straight years, got knocked out by by a pretty good team all three years. The Bears one year, the Rams one year, the Redskins one one year. But they were you know they were they were they had, that Eagles team was was pretty good too. They, they just never got a break. I guess you know Randall was Randall, great as he was, he he, he didn't really like study real hard. I think <laughs> putting it mildly. Another question I, I would have is like so you've probably watched more Eagles football than anybody out for the past 30 years i mean what would be one reason for eagles fans to be optimistic going forward and one reason for them to be pessimistic well carson wentz is the reason to be optimistic um and this and the way the game is today if you don't have a quarterback you don't have a chance i don't care how good i mean the the, the jets or the, the houston texans they're pretty good teams i mean they're overall houston's roster i think overall is very good but you're not going to win with brock osweiler or anybody else they're trying to put out there so if you don't have a quarterback in this day and this way the game is being played now you don't have a chance don't forget though mark the the chase daniels visiting the jets as we do this podcast so they might have a quarterback (laughs) soon (laughs) this is true this is true so maybe the jets will fix that problem um i don't think so but um yeah so carson wentz is all the reason in the world to be optimistic because you have your quarterback i mean reason to be pessimistic the guy making the making the final judgment on the team. I'm not a big Howie Roseman fan, never have been. I don't think he's good enough to put a good team around Carson Wentz. Do you think the Eagles can win a Super Bowl with Jeff Lurie as their owner? Yes. Yes, they got there with him. I mean, about a rib- yeah, I don't think Jeff Lurie's the problem. What, you think Jeff Lurie's the problem? No, I, I mean, I don't know. You've seen more owners than yeah. I have. I mean, I think he's, his ties to Howie are pretty strong. Well, that's the thing. Well, he had ties to Joe. No one, his tie to Joe Banner was much stronger than to anyone else he's ever employed. And he moved on from him. So, again, maybe I, I could be wrong. You asked me what, what's the reason to be, to be pessimistic. I don't have a lot of faith in, in Howie. I'm, I, I, that's no secret. I've said it here. I've written it. Um, that's not to say he can't. He got Carson Wentz, so I have to give him credit for that, I guess, you know. Um, I mean, I think the Eagles' future is it's going to be interesting to see how Wentz develops and what they do around them and and if they put the right people, if, if they sign and draft the right people. I mean, I don't, you know, I'm not going to care a whole lot, to be honest with you, but, <laughs> but I'll watch. I'll still pay a little bit. I'll be calling you. You know what I'm going to – I thought you guys were going to ask me this. You know what I'm going to miss the most? Everybody says, you're going to miss You're going to miss covering Eagles. No, I'm not. I did 32. That's plenty of time. I'm not going to miss going to games. I'm not going to miss, certainly not going to miss like going down there on Wednesday and Thursday and all that stuff. I'm going to miss the intrigue. And oh, yeah, I may, I may bother you sometimes. 
because I'm like, I love this time of the year. I love trying to figure out who they're going to draft and, Hey, did you hear this rumor? And you know, they're going to move up. No, they're going to, you know, that, that the, the most, one of the most fun times I had covering the Eagles in 32 years was the first year I came back with, you know, when the whole Mariota thing. That was insane time. That was fun though. Wasn't it fun? Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Are they going to move up? And we, and we heard something different every day. Oh, they're offering this. Oh, they're offering that. Oh, but Tennessee doesn't want them. Oh, Tennessee does want them. Cleveland might do this. It was like, it was, it was, I love that kind of, it was just so intrigued. I, I find that I've, I'll say this. I've always, even before I covered football and I was, I don't know why, but I've always liked the NFL draft. I just thought, I just, when I was a kid, I used to, it, was, it used to be all day on Tuesday. I remember before it blew up to what it is now. And I used to watch it. I, I just did. I don't know why. I just always liked the NFL draft. And when I got to cover it, it was like, wow, this is fun covering the NFL draft. And in free agency, too, for, to, 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 that's a little more of a pain. But um, the in, I, I just like the – that's what that's what I'll miss. If, if I won't miss games. I won't miss wait, waiting around for co- – you know, no, that's, that's all – Elliot, it's all yours. Uh, <laughs> but, but I will miss, like, you know, the, this whole uh, – the. And like, like, like we just talked about now, are they going to take a receiver? What if Williams is there? What if William? What if this choice comes down to Humphrey or Williams? I love that kind of stuff and trying to figure it out and see if you're right or wrong. Well, the Eagles always keep it interesting. I'll say that. I always wonder what it would be like if, even for me personally to cover a team like the Jaguars or something like that. But yeah. the Eagles, it seems there's always something to talk about. And you would know that more than anybody, I guess. After. We've said that through the years. We've said that. I'm, it's funny. From the 80s, 90s, 2000s, whatever, we've always said that. Like, God, the guy – the guy covering the Cincinnati Bengals, he's like, he, what's he doing today? He's, he's off. You know? <laughs> With the, the guy covering the Kansas City Chiefs, like the one guy. There's only like one, you know, right. the one covering the Kansas City Chiefs. What's he, you know, he's, he's like doing nothing today. He's, he's writing about the, some practice squad guy or something, you know? I mean, it's, yeah, we, one thing about the Eagles, they, in 32 years, they, they kept me very, um, very busy, very into news. I mean, and I think that, I think that helps you. I really do. I mean, talking to other writers, whether it was at Super Bowls or you know owners meetings, combines, when you talk to guys from from other cities, they understand. They they know that what that we that we're a lot busier than 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 they are, and 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 they always say like you know if you could cover the Eagles, you could cover anybody, and I believe that. Like I think you could go cover the Jaguars and and, and you, you would find that a you'd be bored sometimes probably and be yeah, easy. Seriously, even a better. I mean, Jaguars are like they're a bad team, but even a good team like um, I don't know the Packers. They're not good. Well, you couldn't cover them. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not for another year anyway. But even like, like the Green Bay Packers, very good team, right? In the playoffs every year, Aaron Rodgers. But they're not, you know, they're and the, and those guys cover the heck out of them because it's such a small town. But there isn't the intrigue that the Eagles like. They, they, the Packers never move up or move down or get splashy in free agency. Rarely, rarely if ever. That's why they win, maybe. But well, yeah, well, there's that. <laughs> but they're boring to cover, right? Like you guys have got a chance yeah. to cover the Eagles. I mean, you're right. There's always you guys always have something new that's not just like you know, kind of little news. I mean, like real stories always are emanating around the Eagles. It always seems that. So, like Mark, you've had a chance to cover so many in all your years. And even the big, even when they do something like, all right, they they get to, that's big. But I mean, other teams get big players. But that wasn't even a normal. If you remember, if you guys. Re- Re- remember that far back they had to, like they thought they were getting him and then he signed with baltimore or he was traded to i'm sorry he was traded to baltimore the eagles thought they had a trade worked out instead baltimore topped their trade at the last minute niners trade him to baltimore okay well they didn't get him but then tio says i don't want to go to baltimore and he and he's fighting that he's really 
should be a free agent that because his con his last year of his contract was supposed to void and it goes through this and that and you're thinking this is crazy and we got to cover this right and it comes out that okay the, the league steps in they listen to all the arguments and they decide okay you're right to you are but we're gonna here's what we're gonna do we're gonna let you go to the eagles but the eagles have to compensate the 49ers and just for the hell of it we're gonna throw baltimore a draft pick for for their trouble like, that doesn't happen anywhere else, <laughs> right? Come on, that's insane. And then T.O. comes, and then that whole show became, you know, the first year was crazy because of people, 25,000 people coming to Lehigh every day, you know, and then he's as good as advertised. But he has some. he was, his first year, he was as great as he was on the field until he got hurt. He was fun. He did, he interviewed everybody. He did a press conference once a week, and he had something to say about something every day. He gave you something good every week. And then, then the second year, it all went to hell. I mean, he didn't, he didn't talk anymore. He was, you know, ripping Donovan when he did talk, he got in a fight with Hugh Douglas. I mean, this, that became just a, you know, a, it, it went from a good, a, a circus, but a good fun circus to a really bad, like carnival. It wasn't a circus. Anymore, it was a carnival, like a, a towny, a town carnival. that was just, you know, a mess. So that was, that was in his driveway, right? That was that summer yeah. sit up in the driveway. Well, uh, when they threw him out of camp, yeah, uh, it was yeah. That was I'll never. That's something I'll never for, forget. The whole day. he was here twenty months, and it seemed like it seemed like twenty years. <laughs> I mean, really, he was only here twenty months. That's amazing, right? The highest high they reached during that era, getting to a Super Bowl, and then the lowest low. Like that whole that next season was just yeah. a mess. Oh, terrible! And then Donovan wanted to get hurt at the end of the year, and you know. So yeah, it was you know, it was. Like you said, but that's always something. Even when Eagles are bad, and they've been bad, let's be honest, they've had their bad – they've had more bad years than good years, I think, or at least even. You know, Kip Kelly was a was – a, he was a story of all stories. You know, he turns them down. Now I'm going to stay in college. I'm staying in Oregon. And they're, and they're about to hire Gus Bradley or somebody, and boom, all of a sudden they, he comes back. Like, that doesn't happen. <laughs> and Chip's three years were kind of crazy too. I mean, the whole thing – that you know, Elliot, you you can speak with this to me with it. You know that whole New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, day after New Year's uh, time. Yes. When, you know they fired Tom Gamble, and then you know, Jeffrey and Chip have that all day meeting, and all kind of stuffs getting leaked out that you know Chip's going to leave. He says, "I'm gone. I'm done. I'm you know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm and Lori's doing it. We, we didn't know. And then all of a sudden they come out with. Okay, Chip's in charge of everything. How he's counting counting uniforms and making sure the balls are in, inflated properly. And uh, and then when they fired him the next year, I mean, yeah, it was a year later. Not even a year later, they fired him. I, mean, I think that was our most listened to podcast, our emergency reaction podcast. What was it the day after Chip fired. Kelly was fired? And that that whole thing was insane. That was almost. Yes. Not- it was on a Tuesday night, right before Week yep. Seventeen. Yep. Tuesday yep. night, they didn't even let him finish the season. No, he went from. That I, I, in the book I just wrote, you know that the, the Chip Kelly it was three years, but I don't think there was ever a more celebrated hiring than when they hired him. Right? I mean, it was Chip Kelly. This guy was going to, you know, he was a very successful college coach who was going to, you know, reinvent the way things are done in the NFL. And wow, and they got him. And every, every a lot of teams wanted Chip. Say what you want, but a lot of teams, Cleveland, Tampa Bay, just to name a couple, they all wanted him. The Eagles got him. And it was a celebration. I mean, when they hired Andy Reid, it was like, who? Oh, quarterback coach in Green Bay. Yeah, he's not bad. And they hired Ray, Ray Rhodes. Oh, okay, defense coordinator for Super Bowl champ Niners. That's a pretty good hire. When they hired Buddy Ryan. I mean, we didn't know how crazy Buddy was really until he got here. Kippy was big. 
I think, and, and by today's measures, if Buddy would have got hired, if, if the world was the way it is now back in 86, Buddy, Buddy's hiring would have been more celebrated because there, there was no, you know, there was no internet, never mind, you know, social media. Um, but Kip's hiring was so big, and then his firing was just as big. Like, like you said, on a Tuesday night, they, they fire him. It was just crazy. So there's yeah, been the extremes with Chip were crazy, weren't they? Like right. the, how people trusted him so much, and then like a lot of the fan base was so happy when he was gone. It was like he went from the most loved guy to hated very fast. Yeah, no, but not yeah, no, but and of all the uh, how many coaches I cover, seven or eight. There's every yeah, Buddy. Buddy had people that didn't like him from from the go and never did, and then and Buddy had people that loved him from the go and still do, you know, till he passed away. I mean, you know. Buddy was loved or hated. There was and there was no there was no black or either you loved him or you hated him, and that's the way you stayed with me. People didn't change their minds about him. Yeah, Chip. People, they, everybody loved him the day he was hired. I think. I mean, maybe a couple distractors, but not many. Um, to the end, where there was like I think me and Elliot were the only two, two people that still liked him. Yeah, I think I think we'll be proven right ultimately, but that's for another podcast. <laughs> but, well, either way, it was more fun than if they had hired Gus Bradley, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Eagles, Eagles don't do that. Eagles, the Eagles are. I'll say this: I'm glad I covered the Eagles and for, and, instead of any other team in the, in the city or maybe any other team. I mean, it would have been nice maybe to cover a Super Bowl winner one time in 32 years. But what are you going to do? Uh, but I mean, it was in terms of learning and, and having to write stories that no one else ever had to write. And the Eagles were the Eagles. Like I said, it, it kept you busy. It kept you on your toes. It kept you working. Um, and it kept you interesting. I mean. I think more people, and this is, I don't want to, I don't want to sound self-serving because it's never been, I've never been about that, but people know us like Elliot, you know, you're, you're me 30 years ago. Like, you know, <laughs> people know you because you cover the Eagles. People enjoy the drama, even with the writers, for sure. I mean, the Eagles, it's like a sitcom and the writers are almost a part of it sometimes. You could, if you cover the Eagles, people know who you are, as opposed to if you covered the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think the people in Kansas City know the writers the writer, maybe writer, you know, the, the couple, right. that, as well as the people in Philadelphia, New Jersey, South Jersey, Delaware, you know, know us. It's amazing. No, I agree with that. There's, there's something different about it with the, I think it's just a part of his Eagles fan base. And part of it is like you said, Mark, the stories that have emanated. So like you guys are writing these stories, about these crazy things, we will connect with you because they know you're the ones writing the stories, but I don't, I don't notice that around other NFL fan bases, like in New York, like, you know, Giants fans and Jets fans, they know who covers the team, but outside of a few names, like they don't know, they don't talk no. about every right. It's it's different. No. The Eagles, we you guys have a different connection with Eagles fans, no yes. doubt. I don't know how that happened or why, but it's it's definitely true. One of my best friends in the business is Bob McGinn. He's a Hall of Famer. He's in the he's in the writers wing of the Hall of Fame. He covers he's covered the Packers even longer than I've covered the Eagles, and that's why we go we go go back so so long. Now he's as good as there is, but like he lay, like we and him talk, and he's like. Like nobody, if he's out to dinner with his wife, like nobody says hello to him. Nobody says, "Oh, there's there's Bob McGinn." Like it just doesn't happen. Like he, he's been here in Philly, and we've gone out, and people he can't believe that people like stop me and say, "Hey, what do you think is going to happen tomorrow?" Like or whatever. Like it's, it's like he's like I'm like that doesn't happen to you in Green Bay. People don't ask you never. And you would think in a smaller town it would, right? Mm-hmm. But it just doesn't. It's I don't know. It's, it's a different animal. You had a chance to cover for a long time, and Mark, now you get to be not as busy and to enjoy yourself and to watch all this craziness from afar. So, Mark, I just want to say I appreciate uh, you being part of this podcast with us for all these, what, 62 episodes now, and uh, we've had a lot of fun here, built this thing up pretty well, and uh, enjoy yourself. 
I will. Thanks. I, I'm, I'm, I'm open. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, and you, Elliot, keep going. For you know, sure. Don't, don't well, we'll have you, we'll have you back on. I'm sure maybe, you know, another time, but definitely, uh, enjoy doing this for 62. When they're calling for Nick Foles, bring me back. We will call you up as soon as that happens. So I'll, I'll set the over-under as week three, Mark. We're calling you back when Wednesday's a bad game. I might be at that Charlotte game next year, too. You never know. All uh, right. Well, Mark, we appreciate it. Have yourself a good one uh, and enjoy enjoy yourself, all right? These guys appreciate it. All, all right. right, Elliot, I'll talk to you next week, and we'll bring on our uh, our newest panelists. As next week we add a, a new guest to our show along with myself and Elliot As always, guys, thanks for doing this. Thanks to all of you for listening to episode 62 of the No Huddle Show right here on NJ.com.